Welcome to the Redeeming the Dirt podcast. This is Noah Sanders, and I'm excited today. We're going to be talking about stewardship and sustainable living. Uh, it's, it's exciting to me as I think about the fact that God actually cares about um, every aspect of our lives. And a lot of what I talk about on the Redeeming the Dirt podcast here is how that applies to agriculture and our stewardship of the earth. But it, it also applies to, um, you know, just our, the decisions that we make in how we live um, on a day-to-day basis with our households and our lifestyles. And we live in a culture where, um, you know, as if the, the, the natural tendency is to be focused on consumerism and living our best life now and just having everything the world can, can offer us uh, and kind of letting our lifestyle be dictated by that. But we read in, uh, I love this verse in Titus uh, 3.14, where it says, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. A few years ago, uh, some friends of ours um, were uh, a a family we know, they put together um, specifically the um, Masera, a um, friend of ours wrote a book on this topic that was really uh, an amazing challenge to bringing a biblical worldview to bear on uh, lifestyle living um, and how to apply our responsibility of stewardship to our everyday life. And uh, Nelson and Sarah live in uh, Pennsylvania on a uh, diversified sustainable farm there with their family. Hospitality Spring Farm, and today they're going to be with us to talk a little bit about their journey, what they've learned about applying um, stewardship, about how we think about that as Christians, and, uh, and and just some of their testimony and journey there that hopefully will encourage us in our own journeys to uh, to be cont- continually letting the Lord speak into our lives and in every little area, every decision we make um, in purchasing or how things, how we run our home and everything. So Nelson and Sarah, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you for having us today. Greatly appreciative. Yes. Thank you. Well, I would love if you would, um, just introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your, your, uh, family and your farm there and kind of what y'all do. Okay. So my name is Nelson Farrow. And I'm originally from the Garden State, which is uh, New Jersey there, but I was from the southern part where they did have gardens. So uh, where most people grew up with cornfields and and uh, soybeans, I grew up with asparagus and tomatoes and, and zucchini. So it was just a, just a different uh, type of area for growing up. But I was sort of like everybody else where we had a little garden, but it was it was beans, it was tomatoes, and it was just enough just to take us through the season. Uh, then we, uh, I, I left New Jersey and then moved into Lancaster, and that is where uh, uh, my wife and I had settled down. And uh, then we started getting into more, uh, a little bit more uh, gardening of, of square foot gardening and trying to get more in it, but we only had one acre property. So we tried to do as much as we can uh, with that, and uh, we were really pleased with that. And we we're coming up with about 10% of our own production of food, but we knew we could do so much more, but it was very limited uh, with doing it on one acre. And it was at that point that we were seeking to find a larger area uh, and also a good farming area as well. And that brought us into Bedford County, Pennsylvania uh, with that, which is about two hours uh, west of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 
and uh, we bought a 30-acre farm there. And like most farms, uh, we bought a fixer-up where they start dairy farming and then that stops and then they go into beef cattle and then the farm dies. So we came and revitalized the farm, brought life back to it uh, with that. And uh, so it's been exciting just for that uh, initial uh, transition there. And uh, we've been doing this now for eight years, over eight years. And it's still a learning experience, but it's also uh, it's enjoyable and it's it's neat to see how we've been able to expand uh, our all of our animals are heritage breed that we do here. And for our uh, crops, we specialize in heirloom and open pollinated. Awesome. So if I came to your farm, what would it what would it look like? What would I see right now? And kind of what do y'all's lives look on a day to day basis? I know there are you know a lot of people around the U.S. interested in you know, the homesteading lifestyle and getting into that kind of thing. And, uh, and I'm just curious uh, if somebody was to kind of shadow y'all uh, for a few weeks, what, what, what kind of would they expect to see your lives looking like? Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I am Sarah. And when we came to this farm, our initial goal was to grow our own food. So um, when people come here, they'll see a very diversified farm because we don't want to eat the same thing all the time so we have lots of different um uh, lots of different kinds of animals we have multiple gardens we have fruit trees we have berries but our lives here on the homestead on the farm are quite um different depending on the time of year that it is um, pennsylvania does have a cold climate we have a relatively short growing season so right now, our gardens are mostly put to bed and we're, you know, take care of our animals. But in uh, so but overall, it's very much seasonally determined. You know, we have to plant in the summer, uh, plant in the spring and, you know, harvest and preserve. I do a lot of canning and we freeze and we dry. But one of the uh, opportunities that the Lord has brought to us here on the farm that has been very exciting is the uh, using our farm as a as a place to reach out to the community. Uh, we host community events. We the local school districts all came. Yeah, so basically what we do is we have um we work with special needs groups that come in. I, I work with the um those the the adult uh that are physically challenged uh, or mentally challenged. We work with them with our animals uh on there. And we do a lot of one-on-one with that, but we also do school groups. We've had our uh all six of the school districts from Bedford County here. Uh so they have an opportunity we do farm games, but they're learning about the animals. Uh, they're learning about the, the different terms, and, and we try to have fun with that, uh, with, with the learning aspect. Uh, and then we've had um, uh, the, the various events, like we'll do pig races and just get people involved. And, you know, we do uh, goat milk demonstrations, so we would have uh, those participate. So, okay, who's never milked a goat before? You know, so many people have never even touched a goat, let alone that. And uh, so we had that opportunity uh, when we do events here, we all the food is what we raise, what we grow here uh, with that. And people are excited because I and I have fun with things. So, for instance, we do hay rides on our farm. And on one of our last stop, right before I have everybody get off, I'll say, OK, who likes shrimp? And I'll say, I'll raise your hand. OK, you want horseradish. 
House horseradish may, excuse me, the, the thing is for horseradish. Who knows what horseradish looks like? Can anyone identify it? And I'll look out the wagon and I'll have three different plants that they can choose from. And about 50% get it correct uh, with that, but they're either looking at Swiss chard, comfrey, and then horseradish. So about 50% get it correct uh, with that. So it's, it's interesting for people to know what your foods look like. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, did not know that potatoes grew in the ground. We had that experience. Uh, we grow, we have mulberries on our farm, a lot of mulberries. And, and I talk with people, I said, you know, we grew up seeing ring around the mulberry bush. There's no such thing as a mulberry bush. It's a tree. You know, so I try to explain things and we have fun and they remember that, you know, because they, oh, okay. So I try to do things with association uh, with that. We have fun with our animals. So for instance, we have Duroc pigs. Uh, they are red hair, uh, red skin. So when we have them come in, I'll talk about the animals. I talk about their personalities because with having heritage breeds, it helps us decide what kind of animals to do and to have. So I would share with them, well, how do you know if a, a, bomb, if a pig is going to be a good mama? And then no one, so I try to explain it. Well, you go down and you rub the mother's belly. If she lays down, she's going to be a good mother. And that's even before she has her babies uh, with that. But see, I'd learned that from, uh, you know, we had a pig, a mama pig that was not good to her babies. And then I called the vet and I said, what's going on? And she explains me, let's rub the belly. She rubbed the belly, that pig would not lay down. The mama pig would not lay down. So even so, we're still learning things that we do think, and then I pass that on to others uh, with that. So we have fun doing that. And and we also have a farm store that's open on Monday through Saturday most of the time. And our farm is uh, listed in the Bedford County Visitor's Guide. So people from all over that are just traveling through Pennsylvania vein, you know, we'll stop and we'll get to give them a tour and talk with them and hopefully um, share something of, um, hopefully share something of God's love. So our farm is called Hospitality Spring Farm, but when people are walking through the farm, we have about 19 scripture signs spread out throughout our whole farm, all pertaining to what you might be looking at. So if it's talking about the um, the 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 orchard uh, there's a scripture verse talking about the the the, the orchard there uh, about the chickens you know about the mother uh, having her um, chick under her wing there uh, or we have the ones about the sheep one about the goats so we so when they're walking around they get to see the scriptures uh, with it and I get a lot of compliments and I get because uh, we have um, other people from other countries that have visited here. And I say, I like your Old Testament Bible verses that you have here. You know, so it's good. You know, we have an opportunity. People are learning. Uh, like one of the things, after they're done milking goats and stuff like that, we make goat milk soap. But something is very unique about our soap that we make is we actually put the actual, if it says strawberries, or blueberries or blackberries. It's not just an essential oil. It's the actual ingredients. So there's real strawberries in there. And I hear people, oh my goodness, it smells so good. You could eat it. Well, it's because what we're putting in it uh, with that. And that's something so special that we do here. What amazing opportunities uh, your homestead and your choices of how y'all are living is really giving you to be able to talk to people. And I think 
uh, I've had people in the past ask me, you know, in light of God's kingdom and the gospel, you know, how can you justify being out working, you know, weeding your garlic when there's people around the world that need to know about Jesus? And at the end of the day, each of us have a different calling. And but I think when when each of us are faithful to that, uh, God provides amazing opportunities as we just live our lives um, trying to display, you know, our our uh, faith in Christ through what we do and how we live. But I think for you, it sounds like um, your homestead is not just a you know tool for outreach. It's actually uh, your homesteading on purpose because you feel like it's something that God cares about. So I'd love to hear kind of a bit of your perspective or worldview on why you feel like uh, the lifestyle that y'all have chosen with homesteading and growing a lot of your own food and, and things like that. Uh, why should Christians care about that type of thing? And, and how should we view, um, you know, the, the going through the, the choices that we make with the lifestyles that we, we have as Christians? Well, I think definitely all of our choices need to be, um, need to be determined by God's revelation to us. And I think as Christians, we have, or we are claiming to have a personal relationship with the creator of all things, uh, every, you know, the earth and everything on it. And I think more than anyone we should be concerned to be faithful to the creator um in our choices and we should care more about you know the creation honoring him and um do and um and doing what we can to bring redemption which i mean i like that concept of your book born again dirt but you know bringing bringing redemption to in the various ways that God has shown us how we can do that. Another dimension would be um, our testimony. Um, I think um, that it's important that we are living lives that are above reproach and when we're acting in ways that are just negligent and selfish and so forth and we're polluting and um you know so forth that that's not a good testimony that's awesome so the book that you wrote uh sarah is uh called stewards of the earth a call to more sustainable living so if you were to kind of summarize uh you know what led you to write your book and and what your main what your call is uh to the church uh, that you're writing in, in this book. Could you share yes. a little bit about kind of what that message is that you you feel so passionate about and that you really want people to consider and, and take to heart? Okay, yes. Well, what led me to write this book, first of all, so as we mentioned already, we moved here to Bedford to be able to um, to have a farm and to grow our own food. And that was actually incredibly difficult. It was so much harder than I was expecting. And there were a lot of things that we were coming up against, just natural realities of living in a sin-cursed world. But 
it was actually us, you know, in, um, do you know, growing these things and stuff. And it really led me to look deep into the scriptures and get answers for, uh, you know, why I wanted to know why are we doing what we're doing? Why is this so hard? You know, what is God calling us to? And um, that process, it, um, you know, I, the Lord was faithful to give me the answers I was looking for in, in his word. And um, that process is what prompted me to write this book. And there were a lot of changes that we were making on various fronts. Um, you know, for example, I... When we came out here, I thought, oh, we're going to have to be really diligent. Well, actually, I found out through, you know, just that life training experience, but also looking in the scriptures that actually the most important thing for us to be successful in what we're hoping to do is contentment. You know, we have to be willing to uh, be content and satisfied with what we have mm. And what God's providing for us and doesn't always, and it, and that, and just that, you know, made me look, look at everything else differently. You know, mm. this whole entitlement mentality that I had just unconsciously, um, you know, just picked up of expecting everything I want all the time type of thing, you know, <laughs> um, and just realizing, hey, that's not the way it really works. And and then once again, you know, just taking that question, you know, to to the Lord and to um, and to um, you know God's revelation on various fronts. And I do feel like the general trajectory of multiple aspects of of American society, but the consumeristic aspect as well, is headed for destruction. You know, it's not sustainable and we need to uh i guess my call or hope is that we will look to the bible we will look to god's revelation which i do believe is in nature as well as um you know as his, god's revelation is through nature through his word through the lord jesus christ through the holy spirit through the conscience so forth and so on but that we'll seek God's ways of living and that will protect us from um, just going, going down the broad way that leads to destruction. Because if we're off course biblically, then we're headed for trouble. I mean, if we're not living the way God wants us to live, then we're headed for trouble. Mm. So what's, is can you maybe give me one example you know practically in your family or your household that um this kind of perspective changed the way that y'all um did something or or how it impacted your life practically on <clears throat> in maybe changes that you made um i uh, certainly like how we are eating was very much changed um and so like if we don't have something we don't have it um mm. <laughs> so like it took us about it took us about five years till we had blueberries to eat you know and we really really appreciate that but but i mentioned the book how there were all different things it was like 
by just giving it up until we were able to produce it ourselves, we, um, you know, it was actually a huge help toward doing that. I mean, so that would be one thing, uh, like, yeah, we do not shop very often at all. Um, and um, another, I guess, is, yeah, just pretty seasonal in our lifestyle. You know, we have to plan things around the natural times to, um, to be working on the various projects. Um, you know, if it's time to cut hay, it's time to cut hay. I mean, it's, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It, I feel like it's a, uh, so much of, like you were saying, the success in um, something as challenging as homesteading really goes back to, you know, our heart. And I think it's probably a little bit like a marriage or parenting. It tends to really, uh, when you get back to the, some of these basics of, of things God's called us to, you know, uh, like family or like farming, uh, it, it really exposes your heart <laughs> and helps, helps to cultivate, uh, and expose those things. And, uh, and it is humbling to live within the seasons, you know, I would really just like to have whatever I want to want, whatever I want, whenever I want to have it. That's what my flesh wants. And that self-denial, uh, ends up producing a richer and fuller life at the end of the day, but it is, it does uh, require a, it does, it's not always as glamorous, you know, as, as we romantically think about it ahead of time, but it's often those limitations that, you know, produce the biggest blessings in our life just through who they help us become, I think. Yes, exactly. And that has been a huge benefit. Like one of the biggest, uh, you know, most people understand, well, we understand a lot of people who are farming. When you have chickens, your largest production for eggs is typically February, March, April, uh, which you get a lot more. Well, this time of the year, they're, they're molting, they're getting ready for winter. You don't have as many eggs, so we have to eat accordingly. So in the spring, we have all different kinds of foods with eggs. And I do understand by the time we get to the winter, Eggs can only be used for baking or cakes or something special. We don't have that opportunity to eat them every day, you know, with that. Uh, so something that I learned uh, is, and that's the past two years, I like potato chips. So I found out that last year I was doing potato chips in February and March, and they were not coming out right. And I did not know why. And I did a little research. Well, the best potatoes to do it is between November and, like, January, because then they start to start to change the structure inside. They don't taste as good for potato chips anymore uh, with that. So huh. I know that I'm going to eat my potato chips in October, November, and December. <laughs> December. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> we don't buy potato chips. <laughs> uh, no. it's, yeah, today we, we just got back this afternoon from taking on, on our old flock, our leftover flock we had been selling eggs from, uh, to um, a local dairy farmer who buys old hens. We get our milk from him. And, you know, we just, they were, they were over two years old, not really giving us any eggs at all. And we were feeding them all. And we have our new hens coming up, but they haven't started laying yet. My cousin down the road, who also has chickens that we buy some from him, he doesn't have as much this time of year. So it, it is, we were just talking about how, like, when you have those two eggs on the counter, you really think, you know, I could make some, you know, uh, I can make them into something, but we're not just going to fry these suckers up and, and eat them because they're too valuable. Right. We usually have to tell them, like, don't touch the eggs. We're going to be making <laughs> something with them. Don't touch the eggs. 
or we have one customer waiting for them. You know, don't <laughs> touch the eggs. But I have, uh, I, have a, I have a very entrepreneurial son, and he happens to have uh, about five or six chickens that are one year old. So uh, he's selling a bunch of eggs to us at the moment in exchange for feeds. So. <laughs> now, something that we found to be a little bit more creative with with our chickens. We typically rotate our chickens every three years mm. uh, with that. Uh, because when you think about the doubt, so say, for instance, your, your chickens are laying, I'll use this as a number, 250 eggs the first year. Mm-hmm. The second year, it'll be 225. The third year, it'll be two, it is less. But when you think about how much time is lost to get them to, to produce the eggs and how much food is going into them. Uh, but then, okay, so now you have these old chickens, but something that we found out is when you, after you, you, you cook the chickens down, uh, then we put them in a, we, we pressure, uh, in a pressure cooker, mm-hmm. uh, with that. And the meat is as tender as anything. You would never know that it was an old chicken. Wow. Uh, so that's something that we learned and it's like, we enjoy it now. You know, it's not a bad thing that the chickens are three years old because they're going to taste so tender because of the way we're processing them. Yes, yes, and that's that kind of brings me maybe to to one of the the uh, kind of questions as we try to wrap up here is, uh, you know, I've in the past we've we've butchered like our old hens. I have all these things that I would like to do. You know, we have forty hens. I would love to butcher them. We just butchered uh, our broilers recently. I also have a pig out there that needs to be butchered and sheep out there that needs to be butchered. And I have a book I'm trying to write and I have solar panel system I've got to install in my dad's house and all these different things, you know, that uh, I have to like at this point in time, selling the old hens. So I'm not feeding them anymore to just get them uh, from being a drain on the uh, the bank account uh, because they weren't giving us any eggs was uh, a decision that I made, even though I would prefer to have butchered them. So just the, 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 the challenge of avoiding overwhelm uh, on a homestead when there's almost an endless uh, op, you know, amount of um, you know, opportunity of things to do, especially when you're starting and you're trying to get that flywheel going. I know you said it was a bit challenging and I think you know, tapping back into our motivation of why we're doing things is important, but also uh, you know, overwhelm and, and burnout is a big thing and what have y'all found that has been uh, some of the, the things you've learned that's helped you to keep your joy through the process? Oh, um, well, one of the things that helps a lot is the vision of labor, like different ones do different things. My husband does a lot of the animal care, the children do some of them. Um, he does certain crops, I do certain crops. Um, I, I milk the goats once a day. I have a daughter who milks them the other day. So division of labor is definitely one thing. Another thing, as I mentioned before, is contentment. Just thinking, you know, maybe we won't eat as much meat this year. You know, maybe we'll cut back (laughs) on this or that, you know, just uh, not because like, yeah, there are so many possibilities. Just like, okay, I guess, you know, we ran out of time for that. Um, We won't, we'll just drop that for now. Um, And then as far as keeping the joy, um, definitely want to take the time to pet your animals, to watch the sunset, to smell the flowers, to, um, you know, just as a family together, you know, over over your food, you know, just reminisce over, you know, um, your experiences or, you know, just talk about whatever, you know, you want to 
be slow down enough to enjoy what you're doing. But but I've got so much to get done. That's <laughs> <laughs> that contentment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and just that learning to it's say contentment no. and there's just sometimes, you know what, I, I can't do it all. And <laughs> and it sometimes that happens. You you know, you miss you missed a, a, a date for when they were supposed to be bred and then you missed that time and you're like, okay, now I got to wait three more weeks. And it's that whole cycle thing. And then you're trying to figure out, okay, how can we navigate through here? Or the pig's just not quite the right weight and I need to take them to the butcher because we're getting to the end of the season. Uh, you know, so there's so many different factors and, you know, I'm trying to do more diversity. So instead of just, you know, not just selling the pig, so we sell the piglets. We sell them in the in the in our store as um, bratwurst and apple fennel sausage. But then we sell them as a whole pig, where someone else they buy the whole pig and then they take care of everything. You know, so that gives me three different avenues for the same animal. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, uh, the pigs are actually what has turned out to be the largest in income producers in our farm and mm. the farm has totally paid for itself for a number of years now we did have farm employees uh for five years and we were running a farm shares program we no longer have those employees and so this past year we just dropped the farm shares program but, um, you know, we're still selling pork and beef and potatoes and garlic and so forth and so on. But we've also, as you mentioned earlier, been developing the the educational outreach angle as well. But, yeah, you just have to decide <laughs> what to let go. What what stays, what goes, what's what's because it, it is hard work and, and, you, and you're relying on your your children and the young children and the children. They love doing tours with people and, and people love hearing a, a eight, nine, 10 year old sharing about all the, and they're like, wow, I learned so much today, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's just exciting, you know, and, and it, it's, it's energy, it's energizing in that aspect. Yeah. And I think it's so refreshing when, from a biblical perspective, you know, if we talk about sustainability, being stewards of the earth, you know, trying to, um, you know, to, to shift away from the destructiveness of our sin natures towards God's creation, you know, from a, from a, uh, a godless perspective, the whole uh, environmental movement is, uh, can be a bit depressing because it's kind of up to us to fix it all. And uh, it's a big, you know, huge uh, unsolvable problem that, you know, got to have basically a global government to impose everything on everybody to be able to fix it. But for us as Christians, we know that uh, our job is to play the, you know, we're not God um, and, but he, and he's got a plan and each of us and each of our families just needs to be faithful as we're in the journey to be identifying what is it that our family's job is, you know, what is it that our role is to play in this story of redemption that God is writing, you know, in our community and in our, you know, state and, and nation and to be content to play that role and not feel like we have to save the world by doing everything ourselves, you know, um, that could possibly be done. And there's uh, a humility in that. There's a grace, you know, of just recognizing that God shows so much grace to us in our 
you know, he's pleased with our fumbling efforts to, to try to serve him. And I, the more I look back on my life, the more I realize, um, you know, he uses me despite me, not because of me um, yeah. or because of my skill. And, and there's a peace once you recognize that just to rest in that you can see, you don't have to say yes to everything. You don't have to do everything and be everything. We just have to do like Jesus did and say, you know, I only do what my father tells me to do. And he was fine not doing anything else, even everything else that everybody wanted him to do. And, you know, homesteading is, is that it's not a silver bullet. It's, it's, but it's a, it's a, it's a tool that God is choosing to use more and more in his, in the body of Christ to be able to, you know, help Christians be a light in their communities. And I really feel like your book, uh, Stewards of the Earth is a really a, a great tool for Christian families to be able to, to look at, to get those practical tips, the real journey that y'all have been on. And I was just looking at your, uh, at, you know, the back of the book, when you just talk about there's practical things in there. Uh, for those of you who are listening, they have, uh, she has 15 dimensions of sustainable living, talks about five essential character qualities. I'm, I'm assuming contentment is one of those. Um, number one. <laughs> oh, number one. <laughs> and 12 reasons to grow your own food. Tons of practical tips and advice there about uh, their journey and the lessons they've learned. And I would really, really highly recommend that y'all get that. So I would love, could y'all share just where uh, people could order your book from? Uh, so uh, on our website, and we're also uh, updating our website as well, uh, but they can go to Hospitality Spring Farm. Dot com Again, hospitalitystringfarm.com. They can order it uh, from there, uh, or they can go into uh, email, uh, info at hospitalityspringfarm.com. Again, info at hospitalityspringfarm.com. Or you can call us 814-623-0642. Awesome. And I will put those in the show notes, if that's okay with you all, so people can find yeah. those. And uh, yeah, that, I really appreciate everything that y'all shared today and hope that I really encourage everybody to go and check out not only uh, your book, but also your website just to see um, all the amazing pictures and just the description of what y'all are doing with your farm tours and just the testimony that you're being in your community. I know a lot of people want to have an impact in their community through what they're doing with their homestead and farming and I hope that they will uh, avail themselves of your story and uh, maybe even reaching out to you to, to get ideas of what they could do. But uh, as we wrap up here, any final thoughts or comments that you want to share with uh, the audience? No, just thank you for the opportunity to share with what we're doing and uh, that we can pass uh, uh, nuggets of uh, inspiration uh, for what we've been doing and, you know, and say it's, you know, it is easy, but it's also hard, but uh, it can be done. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Nelson. And I'm just going to pray a blessing over your family uh, as we wrap up here. Lord, just pray uh, for this a beautiful family, Lord, and what they're doing with their homestead and how they're reaching out to people. Please just bless them in their journey. Just give them a continued joy. Just bless their relationships with their kids and with their neighbors and their marriage and just help their farm to come alive as an amazing testimony to uh, just your redemptive work in the hearts of uh, this beautiful family, Lord. And I pray that you would just uh, touch the hearts of anybody listening, Lord, that you would just encourage them in what they've, they've heard today, and that you'd help us all to continue to reevaluate every area of our life, Lord, in light of scripture, and in light of uh, the heart of Jesus, so that we can uh, be a light in this dark world, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Awesome. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening today. This is Noah Sanders again, uh, inviting you back next time. Um, and I just encourage you all to be faithful, to be humble, and to keep redeeming the dirt. God bless.